Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together to worship you. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word, and we pray now that it will go forth and will not return void. It will accomplish what it was sent to do, and we give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. <clears throat> so this little boy was talking to his dad. He was asking him all kinds of questions, but he finally came down to, and, it, and it, wait a minute, let me just say that I'm not 100% sure that this is right. I'm just telling you the joke, okay? So it come down to the question if God was a girl or a boy. And the dad thought for a second and said, both. So the little boy was okay with that. And he left for a little while and he came back and he came back and said, Dad, is God black or white? And dad thought for a second and said, both. So the little boy left for a few minutes and he came back and said, Dad, is Michael Jackson God? <laughs> oh, the hate mail. It'll be all right. It's hard, man. We're three years deep, and I haven't told the same joke twice. Although Stevens have told me the same joke bunches of times. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is, and, it, and it's, I've had like three titles on this sermon, and, it, and none of them exactly grab what I was looking to grab. So I'm going to kind of tell you what I'm talking about, and then we'll go from there, right? So, so my, my first title on this was Your Best Commercial. And that's a pretty tough title, right, when you're trying to sell something, your best commercial. And then I thought, yeah, always be prepared. And then that didn't really do it any. So the title ended up being Be Ready. And, and I'll explain where all of this is going in just a second. But if you will, if you'll turn with me to the book of Ephesians. <clears throat> in in uh, chapter 6, in verse 13, it says, Therefore we put on the full armor of God, that so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and when your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And if you look at folks in the Bible, and in, in when their time came, how ready were they? You, you, I mean, and I know this doesn't seem right, but when you go in your day-to-day -day life, when, when, you, when you get up in the morning and get dressed and go work out or go to work or, or go to school or whatever, are you prepared when you leave your house to have the readiness of the gospel of peace on the tip of your tongue? Are you prepared to be the witness that somebody needs to see Jesus? And that's tough, right? It's tough but, but our job is, is to continuously be ready to be able to have that, the, the gospel of peace on the tip of our tongue. Well, why do I want to be a Christian? Why well, do I want to live like you? What are you? What's so special about you? And the answer is not, well, I'll give you Robbie's phone number and hopefully he can tell you. Although I get a lot, I get some of that. And, and, and it's okay. If that's the best answer we got that day, then I'll take it. Because I, I, I pray that I'm ready. But truthfully, you as the members of the body in Christ, as the hands and feet of Christ, we should be prepared to tell people about Jesus under any and every circumstance that we live in, whether we're going to a restaurant, whether we're going to work, whether we're going to the gym, whether we're going hunting, whether we're going anywhere, whether we're on the side of the road helping somebody change a tire, it doesn't matter. We should, the, the gospel should be so close to the tip of our tongue that when the opportunity arises that we are really, really, really ready. And I want to show you a couple of examples of folks that 
were not necessarily in a place to where they thought they were going to be able to show people Jesus and then all of a sudden had to be ready, and they were. Um, the first one, uh, the, the book of Acts. <clears throat> um, so in the book of Acts in chapter 2, it is talking about the upper room and when the Holy Spirit fell on the upper room and, and then those people started speaking in different tongues and everybody thought they were drunk and everybody thought they were crazy and all the stuff going on. Right? So they had a private meeting and they were, they were waiting on God to do something and then the Holy Spirit fell. And then when the Holy Spirit fell, all these people started being, you know, making fun of them. Right? Poking fun at them. What's wrong with them? It's so early in the morning. Have they had too much wine? What did they do? Blah, blah, blah. Right? And all that happens in, all the way up until verse 13. Verse 14. And then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all that live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I, what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, it is what's spoken by the prophet Joel. So he didn't like take a minute and, and go get his notes or look in his phone or take some time to decide. He heard him making fun and he stood up and said, whoa, 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 whoa. This ain't what you thought it was. And instantly started quoting scripture. Now he was one of the 12. I'll give you that. But instantly he started quoting scripture. And what happens at the end of this two or three minute sermon is lots of folks got saved. What would have taken place if Peter would have said, don't pay them no attention. We're not listening to them. And turned around and went back inside. Right? It's the missed opportunities that bother me the most, right? It's the times where we weren't ready with the ready of gospel, right? We weren't ready with the readiness of the gospel of peace. We weren't there to do what we were supposed to do. And look, sometimes it happens. I told y'all the story I know about a guy that got saved over there in the corner it's actually kind of in the foyer right there where that foundation wouldn't stand up. That guy got saved on the job site at 6 o'clock in the morning where I was failing an inspection. I mean, that's where he got saved. I mean, it just is what it is. Now, you know, that doesn't happen every day because most of the time when I fail an inspection, I'm, I don't have the readiness of the gospel on the tip of my tongue. Well, most of the time I don't fail inspections. That's, that's kind of the point. But that day... For whatever reason, that was what was supposed to take place. So I think back in the opportunities of when I was given the opportunity to do something, and then I missed my chance. And to me, those are the biggest disappointments. Of course, I'm disappointed if I, if I act out or I do something I shouldn't. But really what gnaws at me are missed opportunities. And so we can't have, we can't afford missed opportunities. <clears throat> when we prepared for Bible school last week, two weeks ago, there were literally six kids signed up, six. And then I think one day it went to seven. And we have thousands of dollars in, in, in man hour after man hour after man hour, setting up, getting ready, preparing, rewriting, writing, working on, studying. Of course, not my lines in the script because that would be you know, way too easy for me to actually memorize those because it wouldn't be near as funny if you actually went by the script. But there's hours being prepared for this Bible school. And I can tell you, at one point in time, two weeks ago, I sat in that building and said, why are we doing this? I mean, six kids? They come to my house. We'll go swim in the pool. I'll tell them all about Jesus at my house. I mean, heck, two of them live next door to me. I mean, it was pretty easy. They just walked across the yard. I mean, why am I going through all of this headache? 
Well, what happened was, is that God blessed us and, you know, or we have slack parents. But anyway, we ended up with like 30-something kids, which, which was awesome because, you know, that's what we want. We want kids and lots of kids. And, and we were very young this year. We had lots of little kids. And it, it makes it more challenging trying to keep everybody engaged and entertained. But I'm going to tell you, <clears throat> at the end of the day when it was all said and done, there's a picture of Presley sitting in the chair with her hands folded praying. Mm. And that made every minute worth it. <clears throat> so the why, that's the why. But what would have happened if, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday before we got discouraged and said, hey, there's COVID in the, in the area. I mean, obviously we have some folks that have, have been affected by it. We have some families that are being affected by it. We're praying for them and standing with them, but we're just not going to have Bible school. I mean, it would have been, e it was easy to give up. I mean, it was easy last week. I mean, I, I, I fought with it. And, I, <clears throat> and I've been working on this sermon and I kept thinking, hmm. That would be a poor decision because when I come to preach this sermon about always being ready and always being fitted with the gospel of the truth to do what God wants us to do no matter what anybody else thinks, except for I canceled Bible school because we didn't really think there was anybody coming. And, and, and that's the problem, right? Because a lot of times what happens is, is me, what happens with me, I worry about you go back and look at the 2014, 2015, 2016 crosses that are hanging on the wall by there. And there are kids on there. I mean, there are times where people's names are overlapped because the cross is so full. And I pridefully want that back, right? I want those kids to, to be here, to be able to influence and affect them in the best way possible. And, and look, those were fantastic years. But I won't discredit 21 because the kids that were here, they had a ball. They, they heard about Jesus. They paid attention. Jansen is, is um, Drew and Ashley Duffy's little boy. He's like this big, right? And he ran all week. That's all. I mean, he ran all week. That's all he did was run. And Ashley was there Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And Drew, of course, came on Wednesday when, when the, the cookout part. And he was like, he can't be running around. And Ashley was like, no, really, this is the whole time. But he's running around, and he's this little tiny guy. But in the middle of the lesson, it was trust Jesus. And when you did, you kind of did the 18-wheeler pull the horn deal. And Jesus would be running around, and they say, trust Jesus. And he, and then go on about his business. I mean, do you think it was registering to him what was going on? No, probably not. But do you think he was not listening? No, he was listening. And so our prayer at the end of Bible school was that seed that's been planted in those children will mature and develop, right? That they will be ready for the gospel when it comes. See, that's our goal. Our goal is to be ready when our time arises. And one of our lessons in Bible school was about Ananias going to see Saul, who became Paul, right? What, what happens if Ananias is not ready? What happens if the three Hebrew children weren't ready? I mean, everybody's name that you know in the Bible, for the most part, those were folks who were ready. When God said go, they went. I mean, you don't hear the stories of the times that where God said go and they didn't go unless you hear Jonah. And then, you know, God really wanted him to go in and introduce the fish and change his latitude, right? But the people in the Bible that over and over, they, they weren't special, 
The people that are in the Gospels and in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, a lot of those folks are common folks. They're not special. What was special about them is, is that when God said go, they went. That they were prepared and ready. That they had their commercial already set down. They knew exactly what they were going to do. And they didn't care what happened around them. And, and that, that's huge. <clears throat> All right, so if you will, 2 Samuel. <clears throat> um, chapter 6 in uh, verse 12. And I'm going to read over this. I'm not going to read the whole story. Um, but basically, they, they, they're moving the Ark of the Covenant back into the city of David. Uh, verse 12, now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household, uh, Obed and Edom. And everything he was because of the ark of God. So David went and brought the ark of God into the house in the city of David and rejoicing. And those who were carrying the ark had taken six steps. He sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf and wearing a linen ephod. Now, a linen ephod is like, if you've seen like Aladdin where they have the, you know, knee length linen shorts. And a little short sleeve shirt, right? But David was the king. So and normally when David went into to public, David had on the king's robe and the king's garments and all the things to explain to you how important he was, right? He, he was supposed to, well, he was the king of Israel, but his wife at the time had a really big problem with him not being the king or not acting kingly in her opinion, but what happens is, is as they bring the Ark of the Covenant in, David felt like he couldn't be the king in front of the king's Ark, right? That he was honoring God by not being the official well-dressed king, that he actually dressed down to honor God, to humble himself. <clears throat> and what he did was, as they brought it in, as they were bringing the Ark in, David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. With all of his might, he was dancing. And his wife was embarrassed by it. She hated him for it, is what it says. She detested him for it, is what it says. She hated him that he humbled himself and danced in front of God because she felt like he was too important for that. That somebody might think bad of him. She talks about the slave girl saw you in your short pants. David said, I was worshiping God. I don't care who saw what. All David was concerned about was worshiping God and doing what he was supposed to do. He didn't care about if there were people there or there were not people there. He danced before God with all of his might. See, David was ready. It didn't matter. David was ready, whatever the situation arise, David was ready to worship God and honor God. And he didn't allow what other people thought about him to change him, to bother him, to harass him. He went about doing what he was supposed to do. <clears throat> Jen, I'm glad to see you here. For the first time since 2008, Jen was not at Bible school. They had been fighting RSV or whatever and not putting your business in the street. But she had fought this, been, she'd been fighting it. And so, if you've ever been to Bible school, there is a leader who is usually well put together and, and all proper and understanding, and then there's a fool. Well, since 2008, the fool has been me. 
Um, actually, the year before 2008, I think we actually had a costume. Didn't Stacy do a costume one year? It was like a, a, a character. But since then, we've been, you know, I've been a swamp creature, man, person, you know, like them Judah Elizabeth, them people. I have been, uh, uh, um, worked on a, uh, a pirate ship. I have climbed mountains. I have flown airplanes. I've done all kinds of dumb stuff. And, and it's slapstick comedy. And if you, if you really want to laugh, you should come watch me because I enjoy falling down for little kids to laugh. And it is just part of the deal. And I don't care what you think or anybody else think. In fact, this year I had on a wig and all kinds of stuff. And, and then they think it's hilarious. I had one poor little girl come over there and tell me, can you go put on your real clothes? Because you look ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, baby, I know. That's part of the plan. But I don't care. I don't care. It's part of the, it makes the, it makes the Bible school for me. It, it makes them laugh and have fun. And they wait to see that character come out every day. So with Jen is normally the leader and is well put together and prim and proper and all straight. But Jen being out, we really struggle. What are we going to do? And so mama said, why don't you ask your girls to do it? And I'm like, my kids are too shy. They're not going to do that. Carolina Riley showed up, they danced, they did all kinds of craziness, and I was so proud of them, right? Because we acted very mature. We understood what it is. We understood that no matter what anybody else thinks, this is how we're supposed to behave, and this is how we're supposed to act, and this is how we're supposed to fill this role. Now, they didn't do a very good job giving me my lines. I forget my lines, and they were like, they just skip it. And I'm like, no, you got to tell me what I'm supposed to say in a hint where I can answer it back. And at one time I skipped one of Riley's lines and she just stood there and looked at me like, sorry, did I skip your line? You need to help me. I don't know. You're holding a paper. I'm not. And if you saw us prepare for Bible school, you know that I put about eight minutes in the skit, maybe 10. And they're over there studying and highlighting their lines and making sure they got it all right. I just, that's not, that's not what I got important though. But our goal as the body of Christ is, is to be ready no matter what. To dance no matter what. To show up no matter what. To be prepared. And when we're prepared, right? When we're prepared, God uses us. And God doesn't necessarily use us the way we think we should be used, right? I mean, David's wife thought that he was the king and he should be in the kingly robes and he should be prim and proper and walk all in front of the ark and, and not do anything. And David said, I can't do this. He took his robes off and he danced and he praised God because he felt like that's what he had to do. When you're prepared to be whoever God wants you to be, when God wants you to be them, it takes all the stress off of you. If y'all think for one second I'm concerned over what somebody thinks or says. When, now, I did ask them to please keep the videos of me dancing off the internet. Because that does not help my overall care. Because it's not in context. Right? If you want to come to church and watch me act like a fool, good for you. But if you want to see me on the internet, it, it kind of takes it out of context a little bit. But I don't care. I really don't care. And You know, the wig or not the wig or the clothes or not the clothes. I don't care. It's whatever I need to do to make the gospel to those children feel real, to be entertaining, and make them want to be there. Because I'm going to tell you, if you make little kids want to be there, their parents show up. And the gospel starts to be preached into the family. And the family gets stronger and the family grows. That's, that's the development of the body of Christ. And that's what we've done away with. Not we, the body of Christ. 
we want to make everything so prim and proper and stringent and straight and you can't say this and you don't do that and we're not talking about this and we're not and that's not it people don't want more rules they already have enough rules in their life that that's why we don't preach against sin and and hell fire and damnation because you already know you already know what's not right I want to tell you that God loves you. I want to tell you that the grace of God has covered all of your sins. All. A-L-L-L. I don't care what you've done before now. It doesn't matter. That Jesus loves you just the way you are. And really and truly, if you want to be prepared to give people the gospel, Jesus said to go into the world and preach the good news. And if you are trying to help people with the gospel of Christ, and you were telling them about how they shouldn't do this and they shouldn't do that and they shouldn't do this and they can't do that and they can't do this. You are not winning people over to God. You are not. The gospel is telling people about how much Jesus loved them and how much he loves them just like they are and how, what he did for them and how he died for them and the examples of what he did with his love. That's what we should be preaching to the world they don't need to hear that they're not doing good. They already know. If they stand still and listen for just a second about the gospel, they already know there's a problem. They already know. Um, sometimes you've got to tell church people that. Acts. Uh, let's go to chapter 6, verse 8. <clears throat> now, Stephen... Stephen had been arrested, right? And he's in front of the Sanhedrin. It's now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs amongst the people. And opposition arose. However, members of the synagogue and the Jews and Alexandria and, and all of those folks, right? They, they had secretly persuaded some men to say that we heard Stephen be blasphemous. So they arrested Stephen. And so they stirred up the people and the elders of the law, and they seized him, and they brought him in before the Sanhedrin, and they produced false witnesses against him, right? All this stuff. All they did was talk all about how bad Stephen was, and Stephen didn't do what he was supposed to do, and Stephen was a liar, and Stephen had been blasphemous. Stephen didn't say nothing. <clears throat> Then in chapter 7, the high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? To this he replied, brothers and fathers, listen to me. To the glory of God appeared for our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran to leave your country and your people. So Stephen started way back. And all Stephen did was tell him about God and how wonderful God was and the grace of God and how awesome it was. And he talks about Jesus and how they killed him under... <clears throat> they, he didn't have any reason to kill him and they killed him anyway and he was an innocent man all he did was preach this sermon <laughs> he didn't he didn't offend himself he didn't say yeah I did it no I didn't do it and you know that ain't true when he got his opportunity to speak he stood up in front of them and as Jerry Clower would say he shelled down the corn he went after everything from Abraham through Jesus and told them about the glory and the mercy and the faith and the wonderfulness of God and it made them so mad that they snatched him up and drug him outside and stoned him but he didn't blink he didn't bat an eye he didn't think man should I say this am I gonna offend them you think if I tell them about Jesus, they might think I'm strange? 
Do you think if I tell them about Jesus, they, they, might, uh, they might be upset with me? He knew what was going to happen. He was standing in front of all of the bad guys. And he took his opportunity to preach the gospel of Christ. No matter what. Don't care. Get some. Why? Was he prepared? Oh, he was prepared. Did he, did he think, oh, you know, this might be offensive if I tell them about what Jesus did. They might think I'm kooky. They might think I'm crazy. I mean, they might think I danced in front of the whole Ark of the Covenant. They might think I was silly when I acted like that. See, that's the problem, right? We get so worried about what people think about us that, that we're not a very good commercial for God. I mean, right, we should be a living, breathing, walking, talking commercial for God 24-7. Not an infomercial, not the guy that's slapping the tape on the side of the tank that's leaking. I mean, we should be really walking around looking like the body of Christ. The way we walk, the way we talk, the way we act, everybody should go, they're different. Not bad different, just different. What makes them different? We should have such a good commercial of God that people are looking to find out what makes us different. People should be finding it. And, and a lot of times, from experience, people won't ask you this in a group, right? Like if all of their friends are around, they won't ask you what makes you different. But if something's going on or something's happening, they will come over there and go, Hey man, can you tell me about... People are embarrassed. They don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to be bothered. They don't want to be harassed. So when we go about preaching the gospel, right, we can't be telling about all the things they didn't do and all the things they don't know how to do and how terrible they are. They already know that. That ain't how commercials, I mean, I guess some commercials are. You know, you can tell you, is your life terrible, blah, blah, blah. You can call this guy and sue somebody. I mean, that's kind of how commercials work, right? Were you hurt in a wreck? Did they throw you down a shaft? Did, did something happen? Did, I mean, but our commercial, I mean, I like the commercials that, that tell you about how wonderful the product is, right? Not the, not the sell me because everything's bad. I want them to tell me, but you need this Snickers bar, Bad. I mean, you really, 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 which I'm going to tell you, the commercial for Snickers bar is a waste of money because why would you try to sell me chocolatey goodness with nougat and caramel and peanuts? I already want it. <laughs> you, you're wasting your money. You think I forgot what a Snickers tastes like? Come on, man. That's silly. But that's the kind of commercial we want to be. We want to be the commercial to where people need what we have. Not David's wife going, I can't believe you acted like that. Can you believe those people thought bad of you? That you danced like a crazy person. David said, I was praising God. Stephen said, I'm going to tell you all about what happened all the way from Abraham to Jesus. Right? Peter walked out and said, no, no, no. They're not drunk. Let me tell you about it. Yeah, one of the other things that um, we talked about, I think we talked about in Bible school. Um, Acts chapter... I think it's three, but I didn't mark it. It is three. Acts chapter three, uh, verse one. One day Peter and John were going to the temple for time of prayer at three in the afternoon. And now there was a man lame from birth being carried to the temple gate of, called Beautiful. He was put there every day to beg for those who were going in the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to re receive some, some, 
give me some, some, some dinero, some money, some change. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly to his feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet and began to walk and went with them into the temple courts and was walking and jumping and leaping and praising God. What would have happened if Paul and John and Peter were walking by and said, ooh, that dude needs prayer. I'll call Robbie. We'll see if we can pray for him. That's not what they did, right? They were ready with the gospel on the tip of their tongue. He didn't think, now, what can I tell you that's going to make you think that you need to change? What can I tell you that, hmm, I know you're crippled, but what can I sell you on? Oh, I know. Let's give you what you don't have. Come here. Let's walk. People are built with a hole on the inside of them that's made in the shape of God. They need that relationship on the inside of them with with Jesus. They need that salvation. They don't know what they need. And they chase some ways to fill that hole up, whether it's with drugs or sex or alcohol or all the other things that you could talk about as bad or this or that or whatever. But they are built with a, we're made in God's image and we have a soul. We are built to be, have a relationship with the living God. It's on the inside of us, in the middle of the core of our being. And if you have that filled, all of a sudden everything makes sense and it works out and you, you feel happy and you have all these other things. Now I'm not saying you don't have problems, but that box is checked. And a lot of us don't remember what it feels like to not have that box checked. But the world is walking around without that box checked. And they can't figure out what's wrong with them. They can't take enough medicine. They can't go see enough psychologists. They can't go to enough doctors. They can't go to enough places. They can't jump off high enough buildings or bridges or out of airplanes or whatever. They're looking for something to fill this hole on the inside of them. And we walk around with the answer to that every day. And we walk past them as they're sitting down cripple spiritually and go somebody ought to do something for them you know what i somebody ought to somebody ought to help them i think it would be good if somebody helped them and we need to talk about that we'll 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 talk about helping them maybe we, we might help them and then what happens it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen how about peter and john i mean we walk by you know, we, we probably should heal him. Ah, we'll get him next week. How about the rain the next week? How about if there ain't the next time? <clears throat> How about if there's not another opportunity? I mean, the guy that got saved over here passed away in within three months. Don't know why. Don't know what happened. He just passed away. He was here, then he wasn't. How about if there ain't another chance? How about if this is the only opportunity? How about if you are Ananias and you're supposed to go to Straight Street and talk to Paul? How about if two-thirds of the New Testament rely on whether or not you do what God asks you to do or not? Worse than that, how about if somebody's going to hell because you didn't do what you were supposed to do? See, that, that, that is bad. That, that, to me, that is my biggest fear. That we have people, we have opportunities to preach the gospel to them, to lead them to Jesus, and we go... We'll get them next week. Or, you know, if that ever comes up, I'll tell him about it. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe one time I'll get a chance to talk to him. And then what happens? We push it off and push it off and push it off. And then a lot of times those people will be moved out of your life. 
And I can't tell if it's being moved out of your life because God finally gave up on you to do what you were supposed to do. So he went to find somebody else that'll teach him the gospel. Or maybe they just made poor choices or whatever. I don't know. And, and this is not a down message. I, I, I'm not fussing. I'm just telling you, when we walk out of the door every day, the same way you brush your teeth and put on deodorant, I hope, that you are prepared to talk about the gospel of Christ. The same way that you don't walk out of your house naked, that you put on clothes, that you are prepared to talk about Jesus every time you leave the house. And it's not the perfect setting. Let me tell you, people don't come down to the altar and ask to give their life to Jesus. And not, not here, not, not in my three years. It's in the weirdest places, on the side of the road, on a job site, in an argument, in the weird places. You just don't know. You don't know where it is. So our job as Christians is that we have to be ready. That's the title. We're being ready. We're, be, we're ready. Every time that there's an opportunity, we're ready. Somebody needs prayer, we're ready. Somebody needs healing, we're ready. Somebody needs to hear about Jesus, we're ready. Somebody needs financial help, we're ready. Somebody needs somebody to talk to, we're ready. That's what makes us available. Because if you look at Jesus when he was here in his life, he didn't tell anybody I don't got time for you today. I, I can't be bothered with that today. I got craziness going on. My kids are jumping on the couch. The, the, my bills are late. The, the, this is nuts. The phone's rung off the hook today. My boss is crazy. Whatever. You come up with a thousand excuses of why not to. I'm telling you, you got to find a reason to be prepared to be ready. Not to not be ready, to be ready. To be ready to when the opportunity arises that we are exactly where we're supposed to be. In fact, that's my prayer. I want to be exactly where you want me to be to do exactly what you want me to say. And I do, don't do that real well. I try really hard to only say what God wants me to say. I would, be, I would speak a lot less. But I want to be prepared to no matter what the situation is, whether it's an, a wedding, a funeral, a, 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 a barbecue, a cookout, a, a hunting club, a ball game, or wherever... That I'm prepared for the gospel of peace to be the gospel of salvation to be on the tip of my tongue. That no matter what, like Stephen was at the Sanhedrin, Peter was in front of the 3,000, David was dancing in the street, Peter and John snatched the guy up. I want to be ready. I want you to be ready. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you for your grace and your love. Father, I pray that as we move, Father, we develop and mature, that we're ready to preach the gospel across the entire planet. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.